Hey. Gabe, it's your first time on the podcast. Are we talking on the podcast? This is it. You're on. What do you have to say? What do you want to share with the world? I'm eating sweet potato and black bean tacos with an avocado crema. Delicious. What's the shell? Meg is, Meg is making a baby shower left. Wow. What's the, uh, are you guys using crunchy or, or uh, soft corn or flour? Um, soft flour. Are you guys ever doing just the old-fashioned old El Paso crunchy? I miss crunchy. I think it's like crunchy. No one eats crunchy anymore. We just finished off a box of crunchy not two nights ago in this house. They're so good. So delicious and good for you on some weird level. We got a high-protein vegetarian cookbook that we've started putting out of. And how are the results thus far? <clears throat> delicious. We made a quinoa Brussels sprout gratin, and now we've made sweet potato, chili roasted sweet potato, or no, sorry, chili roasted butternut squash and black bean tacos. Yum. With cilantro lime avocado crema. Sounds delicious. <clears throat> Did you gamble on the game without me? Not yet, but I'm still thinking about it. The news from my end is that Chris is taking me to the Patriots game on Saturday. What? You you heard that correctly. I'm going to hang up. Why? Are you jealous? Aren't you going to be out of town on business? Is that why you asked me if I was going away? That was, yeah. Yeah, I'm going to be in L.A. You don't have any parting shots? Um, Can't you just be happy for me? No, that's not like, that's not, our friendship doesn't work like that. What do you think I should bring to the tailgate? These guys are professionals. A red cabbage hole, and then you should make a cabbage salad in uh. person by hand. <laughs> to go with a pulled pork that I pull out of a uh, plastic Ziploc? <laughs> you should bring a pig. I think I might get some, like, three dozen oysters from the wholesaler. You should probably get some langoustas from Mr. Lobster and cut them in half at the tailgate there are some great um, non-digital camera shots that came out including a, a late appearance by Mr. Lobster that you don't know about oh my god that's great so we'll be, uh, we'll be producing that soon alright well have fun in LA we'll be at the Patriots game if you need us I'm flying early so I can get there in time for kickoff where are you going to stay I'm staying in an Airbnb in Venice. Is it the same one you stayed at before? No, different. I'm, I was in Manhattan Beach, now I'm in Venice to be closer to the, to the hipster action. Now, are you going to take your um, cookbook to L.A.? No, I'm going to eat sushi. <laughs> all right, eat your dinner. Thanks for stopping by. My levels are all set. Great, go fuck yourself. Goodbye. Bye.
Hi, friends. Welcome to Landline, and Happy New Year. It is the year 2016, and it's a very important year for Landline Podcast. We are dedicated to the cause. We're excited about being on iTunes, on SoundCloud, and on our main site, talkforaliving.com. But more than anything else, I'm really excited about uh, just making this thing happen. I've had a couple of episodes that have had over 100 listens, which is an exciting thing. It seems like nothing but 100 idiots listening to me talk, or 100 people listening to an idiot talk, is uh, kind of exciting when you're the idiot trying to make this happen. You know, I go to business school now, and I come home, and I try to find some time to record, and then you got to cut it all up on the audio software you got to figure out how to post it all. These these things seem to be easy, but they're just one more thing on the to-do list with shopping for dinner and cooking dinner and cleaning the kitchen and walking the dogs and spending time with your lovely wife. So, um, But I really do think this is becoming a labor of love, and I've got a lot of ideas about how to make this better and more significant and more well-produced. More exciting to listen to. So if you're listening right now, please tell somebody else to listen. Take their iPhone away from them or just ask them for it, I guess. And go on uh, the podcast app. Find our podcast. It's under a landline. My picture with a mustache and a screaming face is right there. And download it or set them up to automatically get it downloaded on their phone and make them listen. Um you know, I know at times it's mediocre, but every once in a while it's actually pretty decent. Good is a stretch. Speaking of good, uh, all this energy for making 2016 a good year for Landline resulted in this amazing podcast that Mike, Chris, and I recorded earlier this week. It's now Wednesday of uh, the second week in January. And... We had a sort of an email production meeting. We all got together. The energy was amazing. The humor was incredible. Uh, Stories all around. And right when we were nearing the point where I was going to cut it off at about an hour when we had 100% mediocre material, nothing even close to like C-, the computer crashed and I lost everything. I've been trying to recover it. Uh, I mean, I just lost that podcast. I didn't lose everything, but I, I've been trying to recover it. But really, I think it's gone. And I don't know if it's because the porn sites I go to have put a virus on my computer or if uh, it was just a weird one-time thing. But if you're in China or Russia right now and you're like listening to me and trying to like get into my computer because I gave you some sort of gaping porthole. I've got nothing. I've got student debt. I've got, you know, uh, a landline, a, a portable landline phone with a, a second receiver that's in the upstairs, uh, a beautiful microphone and receiver kit given to me by my friends Brian and Rob for my wedding. So there isn't much to take here. This The checking account is nothing to... Uh, be too excited about so if you're gonna steal my identity go ahead it'll give me great fodder for a podcast um, which is what I need anyways the point is this that podcast is gone and it was sort of annoying but um, 
Anyways, the point is this. That podcast is gone. There's no way to get it back. And I can't do anything but tell you how funny it was and hope you believe me. But there is a silver lining to this story, which is, you know, while we were doing it, it was fulfilling my dreams of making a podcast that was good and interesting and had a great point of view and had interesting people on it. And these are my two uh, most common co-hosts to date, Chris and Mike, two great friends from growing up who now one is going to become an orthodontist in six months and the other is living in the southern tip of Chile in Patagonia with his Chilean wife and we connect over the Patriots on the podcast and they were the first people to say yes. I think Mike even suggested that we do the Patriots podcast. He was sort of the the first creative producer of the show and they show up um, sometimes on time. Baker's a little bit of a diva but you know they'll they'll show up every other week and and with some regularity and and make some good content with me. So the silver lining is that we can do it again. There's there's content to be had, there are things to be said and we can be funny and we can be smart and we can have an opinion that people want to listen to and I think that that's sort of the motivation I need to stop thinking that I don't have anything to say because the whole reason that I've created a website called Talk for a Living and dedicated myself to having a podcast is because I have a creative opinion and I want other people to hear it. So I'm going to go with the egotistical side of myself and just keep doing it, keep saying it. I'm going to get someone from business school who knows what they're doing to help me with the promotional side because I refuse to engage in the social media world, not out of complete curmudgeonry, but rather just because I'm terrible at it and it makes me feel super uncomfortable when I'm on it. So And I get someone just as passionate about promoting as I am about talking about promoting. And I think it'll be a winning combination. So, again, the thing you can do for us, tell somebody about the show and make them listen to it. And if everyone's doing that honestly and we stay with low numbers, then I'll know after a certain number of episodes that it's it's not going. But uh, I've got dreams. In fact, I had this daydream this morning what about a morning podcast that was broadcast live on everyone's smartphones in their cars on their way to work where they could listen habitually, similar to you know, all the shows we know, Howard Stern or Sports Radio or NPR or Rush Limbaugh, whatever you're into. But that idea came about when I was going to work today and there's just there's nothing good on the radio. I mean, I'm I'm channel surfing and I love sports and I'm trying to listen to sports radio and it's just it's not doable. The the ads, the sounds, the points of view, the chauvinism, the idiocy. It's I mean, we're better than this as, as a society. There's better content out there. And then you switch to NPR and it's just like a bunch of people are getting bombed in some country you're never going to go to. And you're supposed to be sad about it, but it really has no effect on your life or what you're doing today or how you can make a positive impact. And then, of course, conservative talk radio can be highly entertaining. But again, it's like pandering to people. So I think there's something there. I think a podcast about the the small things in life that make us happy, the the good beer, the great ski slopes, the awesome concerts, the good food, the great trips, the good beaches, the uh, great card games, the awesome reunions with good friends. I mean, there's... There's content out there. People are doing cool things in the world. They're trying to make it a better place. And more often than not, we focus on 
some sort of witty sarcasm or some sort of celebrity culture or over-talking sports or politics or global conflict that we truly have no control over. So I think the whole point of Landline from the start was to discuss things that were interesting to people um, who were interested in that life that we used to live where there were board games and there were landlines and there were phone calls from people down the street wanting to know if you wanted to ride bikes or go downtown and screw around, get an ice cream cone, drink a beer, whatever it was. And, you know, now it's just so dedicated to this massive delivery of information that is really so far from important to your life. When there are people you interact with every day, there are stories in your lives every day that are so much more on point with what's important. You know, every day when we spend money, we can give a small business owner, we can give a small food producer, we can give somebody we support on a larger level our voice, our choice, our our money, and we can be part of a culture and society that is talking about all the incredible innovation that's going on and all the incredible improvement that we're making and all the incredible efficiency that's happening. It doesn't always have to be about how somebody got hit by a bus in Omaha, so driven by a Syrian refugee or whatever the hell the stories are. So that's why I wanted to start this podcast. That's what I'm going to dedicate myself to. You know, witty banter is great. Sarcasm is good in in little spurts. But I think ultimately, and look, I'm going to get angry for sure because that's my edge and and that's where some passion comes from. But I think that there's so much cool stuff happening that I want to talk about. And I hope that comes through and I hope you listen to me talking about it. The last thing I will say before we get to the show is I just want to recap my greatest rant from the lost episode because although we can't recreate everything that happened, I can describe what I think is a fun idea that I came up with. And I was thinking how comedians have to just do their act over and over again or people have to go on stage over and over again on Broadway and continue to do the same show and this is a show. This isn't just guys talking on the phone. This is a show. So I got to get my act together and start making it a show. And I think that that will help with its listenership. Excuse me. Harpoon IPA, by the way. You know, for somebody who's lived a lot on the West Coast and who's drank a ton of, like, incredible Oregon beers, I do have to say that the Harpoon IPA is a high-quality, consistent beverage. It, it is not overdone and they've got a little new label going purple with the orange tiger it looks beautiful so highly recommended harpoon ipa windsor vermont boston massachusetts so i saw the big short uh over christmas break i'm at business school and i had a long christmas break and the last week we're back in boston and we uh anna and i tried to see the revenant and we went to this first theater where i was playing and it was like a large parking situation with sort of a strip mall and we were sure that the screen would be big enough and that the situation we just wanted to go to a big American movie theater and kind of just you know melt into the seats and eat some commodity food and see a big Hollywood movie and just you know middle of the day and we got there and it was like a giant big screen TV and 
up on the side of the wall and a bunch of seats. So we we're like, okay, we returned our, we actually returned our tickets. We went back out to the lobby and returned our tickets. And we're like, we're really sorry. We thought the viewing experience was different. The guy was really nice and told us to go to this other theater. So we saw on our smartphones, started to cause a lot of stress when the smartphone figures something out, know that you might make it, use the map to get there on time, you can make it, make it happen, are we going to get parking, use the app to do the parking meter, it's going to work, we're going to get there. So we went to Cambridge and sped there, and we were convinced that there would be at least 20 minutes of previews, but there were only five, and we were 20 minutes in the movie, so we couldn't see it there. So then the question was, should we drive out to the mall in Natick and go see it on a big American movie theater there? So we got in the car and started mapping that. And we'd already gotten in one fight, but we made up. And now we're on our way to the mall to see The Revenant. We're dedicated to The Revenant. It's now one fifteen or 2.15 instead of 12.30. You know, the allure of seeing the early movies being lost. So on the way out there, we use our smartphones to see if we can buy tickets and it says they're sold out so we use our smartphones to download the app because maybe the app has different tickets than the regular movie phone website and they don't have tickets so now it's sold out so now we're on a highway on our way to see a movie that's sold out that we've tried to see it to over two other theaters so finally we just say fuck it we're not going to see that movie we're going to go see the big short at this weird dingy old theater in West Newton, a suburb of, of Boston. That's literally where the youngest people by 40 years. It's just a lineup of 68 year old Jewish academics, semi-retired, proud of their children who have moved to Berkeley so they can get as far away from them as they, as they possibly can. So we go to the big short. We're not going to the Revenant anymore. We're going to the big short because we can get tickets. We can see a movie. It's going to be a good movie. So we go. So that's the story of going to the big short. So big short is awesome. Everyone should go see the big short. And, you know, it's one of those movies you can see on your television. But if you do go and see it in the theater, you will get all the benefits of seeing a movie in the theater, which are amazing sound and being immersed and being a blackout and hearing the laughter of all the other people watching. So. We see the movie, and there are all these great parts of it that I, I can talk about in detail. When you call the landline, 617-744-1895. Leave a message. I'll call you back. We'll podcast. <clears throat> so we see the big short, which is the story of basically um, the housing crisis and these group of guys who bet against the United States housing market. And there are all these details in there, but one thing that was really incredible is that they went to investment banks the main guy, played by Christian Bale, goes to an investment bank and he says, I don't think that the data on the housing market is accurate and I want to bet against it. And it's not like going to Vegas and buying a ticket for the over-under on like the Warriors-Clippers game. It's There's no ticket to be bought. The investment bank doesn't have a bet to be made, but what's great about investment banks is they'll write any bet you want, especially if they think you're going to lose. So they they create a contract to allow this guy to bet against the value of bonds that are a representation of the value of the housing market. So the housing market is strong. There are bonds you can buy to represent that strength. And he's betting on the strength of those bonds being wrong. He's betting against the strength of those bonds. So if those bonds go to zero, he has a piece of paper that says, I said that they were going to go to zero and now you have to pay me 
30 or 40 to 1 odds because you're so sure that I'm wrong. And what that made me think is that I want to buy shorts on the NFL. I think that the NFL is going down. I think that everyone in the country thinks that it is a entity that is forever going to grow, forever going to make more money, forever going to be around. And mind you, I said this on the Lost Podcast before Peter King's article came out this week saying that he thought there would be no more football the way we know it in 50 years. So I'm ahead of the curve here, people. This is why I'm doing a podcast. So I want to go there to some bank and say, look, the NFL is worth $600 billion, whatever it's worth. These teams are worth a billion each. There's 30 of them, $30 billion. Their revenue is this. Their viewership is this. Their ratings are this. Their product tie-ins are this. Their relationships with sponsors are this. I think it's all going to go to 80, you know, to, to 10% of what it's worth right now. And I want to bet on it. And the reason I think that is as a result of the Bengals and Steelers game the other night. I don't know who watched it, but basically these two rivals have the third game of their season because they play two within the division. They have a playoff game. It's the Saturday night game on Wild Card Weekend. And it becomes this crazy melee of people who are just getting flag after flag and fight after fight. And coaches are getting into it. And the refs don't know what's going on. And everyone's disorganized. It's pouring rain. The game is sloppy. People's heads are getting taken off. And at the end of the game, the Bengals basically deconstructed and got two horrible penalties on top of a 40-yard penalty. So they got like 70 yards worth of penalties in one play, giving the Steelers the chance to win on a chip shot field goal after the Bengals had the ball with a minute and 50 seconds left in their own end ready to basically run out the clock and win. Like they completely blew it. They had a massive comeback and then they completely blew themselves up like only the Bengals can. Maybe the Browns could do it. Maybe maybe Minnesota could. So you see this team that is just a representation of everything that the NFL has become and the game that's ev- that's everything that the NFL has become. You know, you're watching for four and a half hours and there's so many shitty commercials. There's a 20-minute timeout every six seconds so that they can look over some stupid review of something that we don't even care if it's reviewed or not. These thugs on the field, not because they're black, not because they're you know urban guys, but because they're maniacs with no concern for the greater good. I mean, I guess I guess that's not true. They're just... They're idiots is what they are. Thugs is a loaded word. They're not thugs. They're idiots. All that they the coaches had to tell the Bengals was do not commit a crap, you know. <clears throat> so there's no time left, basically. There's under two minutes left. The Bengals have an interception. All they need to do to get their first playoff win in 25 years is kneel on the ball or, you know, actually that's not true because the Steelers had three timeouts. Run the ball a few times, get one first down, run out the clock. And all the coaches needed to do on the sideline was say, do not, under any circumstances, get a bad penalty. Don't cost us this game because of a bad penalty. There have been 50 penalties in this game. Do not get another one. And yet... Between the time that they should have said that and the time the game was over, the Bengals had five more penalties 
something in the neighborhood of five more penalties. And they lost the game. But the experience of watching the game is horrible commercials and terrible timeouts and replays that I don't care about. The ref's not going, you know, the ref's doing a terrible job not being able to pay attention to everything that's going on because they're understaffed, because they're undertrained, because they're not full-time, because they have to have other jobs besides being refs because the owners are too cheap. You've got this fan base who's so angry about their team being so bad for so many years, throwing bottles at the opposing team's quarterback because they're so angry at their team losing again. No one's acting like a civil person in the entire stadium. Coaches are doing a bad job coaching. Players are doing a pl- bad job playing. The game sucks. It's a 15-16 to 16 game. It wasn't even entertaining. It was sloppy with turnovers, with backup players, with injured players, with all this wasted time. It wasn't fun to watch. It wasn't a good product. The announcers were horrible. They couldn't say anything that brought any enlightenment to the story of the game. Well, I can't believe these people are acting like this. How can you not believe these people are acting like this? They've all been served Bud Light for the last eight hours while they've been tailgating, while they've been watching, while they've been force-fed any product that can get the owners more money, signs, billboards, announcements, commercials, everything in the stadium to get them as fired up as possible. Of course they're throwing bottles onto the field. What else do you expect? Look at what the guys on the field are doing. But that's the thing. The NFL isn't a good product. And I love the Patriots, and I'm wrapped up in it, and I do this podcast with Chris and Mike because of the Patriots. But honestly and truly, I don't understand how the value of this brand can be so high. And I want to be the first one to go on record and say this shit is going down the drain. There's no way that this lasts. There's no way that the value of this game can be as high as we all perceive it to be especially because the product isn't even that great to watch. And you see all these concussion issues. You see all these health issues. You see all these issues with people sweeping legal issues under the rug in order to make more money. And the reality is there are going to be less people playing. Less kids are going to play. The quality of the college game is going to be worse, which means the quality of the pro game will be worse. And by the time that you know the Bradys, the Mannings, the Rodgers are out of the league, you're going to have a bunch of mediocre quarterbacks you know, Andrew Luck was supposed to be the next coming, and he's just he hasn't been that good. Now, he might be, but I don't think that the combination of the player quality and the coaching quality and ultimately the rules, which have been so screwed with to allow these huge open fields where people line up hits from 20, 30 yards away because they're not allowed to touch each other at the line of scrimmage, I don't think it's a recipe for success. So that's my big short. I want to short the NFL. I'm going to watch all these playoff games. I'm going to have fun time doing it. But I do want to say that we're all idiots. This product is crap. You watch any of the other sports. You watch an N- a weekday NBA game in the, in the middle of the regular season, which is usually the worst. And it's worse than this. It honestly is worse than this. At least you can see five minutes of uninterrupted action without a replay in the NBA. So that's my two cents, and now we're going to have a podcast with Baker and Mike. Once again, listen to us on SoundCloud, soundcloud.com slash landlinepodcast. Get the SoundCloud app. It's a really nice app. You can follow a lot of podcasts. Or do it on iTunes. We're on iTunes under Landline. Go to our website, talkforaliving.com. I'm going to start blogging about food again, and we're going to make this thing happen. I'm going to start doing a media empire, and you're my listener. So spread the word make this shit happen talking for a living is all there is to do if you ask me 
Enjoy the show. Going good, uh, you know, just trying to make a podcast happen. Well, you might have to patch this one together. I think it'll be good. I think it'll be a new thing, and you know, I I would bet all my Powerball tickets on Mike being asleep. Well, those tickets are probably losers anyway, so I wouldn't really take that bet. My parents are in Guadalupe right now, and my mom texted me to tell me that my dad wanted me to buy him $20 of Powerball ball tickets, so I went and did it. Yeah. Because so, so, that feeling of missing out is, like, worth more than the $20, apparently. Yeah, that's a problem. I mean, who knows? It's $1.5 million. It'll probably be, or billion. It'll probably be $1.8 by the time everyone gets their tickets after today. And it could be, you know, a cash extravaganza, as they say. What if they just, so so the tickets are two bucks, so that means 900 million tickets were sold. What about the idea of shelling out, like, let's see, 900 million, I got my calculator here, divided by 50,000. They could give 18,000 $50,000 prizes. Isn't it weird how it does, like we don't work that way? No, but I see why you're supporting Bernie Sanders. <laughs> I have not I have not stated my support for Bernie Sanders. <laughs> but he's gaining steam in Iowa. Yeah, I hope he does. I hope he wins. <laughs> I think the interesting angle on him is will she name him her vice presidential candidate? Cuz no way. Let me clarify. I hope he wins the Democratic primary. Because you want a Republican to be president. Well, I mean, what are the options on the Democratic side? It's Hillary, Bernie, or O'Malley, right? Who gets like one one percent of the popular vote? God, talk about a talk about a dud. I mean, I haven't even heard him speak. That's how bad he is. Ridiculous. I don't understand. Like, is he really that bad or he's incompetent or what? Like what? I mean, I guess I should do some research, but how could you be in a three person race where you've got someone who's described as themselves as a socialist, even though they're really not a socialist. And then someone who's universally hated even by people in her own party. You can't even like get an, a newspaper article written about you. That's not about how you're losing. I don't know. I don't understand it, but I don't think the optics of uh, Baltimore last summer did him any justice. Well, what I'll say about Bernie is that because people have, you know, as podcast listeners may or may not know, I worked for Howard Dean, and there's a lot, at least on the surface, in common with Howard Dean and Bernie Sanders, although I think when I'm going to do a pod with a guy I worked with on the Howard Dean campaign, um, and we're going to talk about our experience, we sat next to each other for eight months working at Howard Dean headquarters, and now he just started a startup in San Francisco. But anyways, 
the point is this. I could see Bernie winning Iowa and New Hampshire, but as the primary calendar goes on and you get to states like New York, Pennsylvania, Florida, where, you know, it's primary, so it's just one side or the other. Both sides are going at the same time. He doesn't win those states. So, like, the math doesn't work out for him in the long run, but I would say that he'll be there until Super Tuesday or whatever. He's going to be around for far enough that people are going to hear his point of view, and I think that that's really what he's in it for. Sure. I mean, he could certainly. He, I mean, he's doing very well. In the, but none of these polls matter. Right no. Now. No. So, I mean, it's like Donald Trump, dude. He's got 36% of the vote in all these different places. But when people actually go to the polls, it's going to be totally different. So I don't know if I've told you this, and if I have, I'm sorry, because you're going to have to just listen for the sake of the podcast, but... So the story with, for the 14 people that will listen to this podcast, maybe there'll be 140 this time, the Iowa caucus is this weird, archaic thing that you should look up on Wikipedia, but you everyone goes on a Tuesday night to their high school gym, and they all stand in different corners with underneath a sign that says Trump and Cruz and Bush and Rubio, but if you don't have enough votes... You're not counted, so there's this threshold. It's almost like a quorum. You have to reach viability, it's called, I think, technically. And I think it's 15%. So if there's 100 people in the room and there's 10 candidates and your candidate doesn't have 15 people, you're asked to redistribute before the votes are finally counted. So I don't think that for those people who are fearing that Trump is going to like win Iowa and win New Hampshire and become president, there was an article in New York Times today about how completely disorganized he is in Iowa. Iowa is all about organization. It's all about knowing people in your neighborhood who have voted with you before, who you can call up from your address book, you know, and say, hey, Rick, can we count on you for Marco Rubio next Tuesday? And they say, yeah. And, you know, they see each other from the farmers convention or whatever the hell it is, the high school basketball game. And Trump doesn't have the organization. And then when they all get together, if a bunch of candidates don't have the threshold and they reorganize and, you know, people have a chance to actually say, like, come over to our side because of A, B and C, nobody's going to go to Trump. Everyone hates Trump. So the Rubio people would choose Cruz or choose Bush or choose Rand Paul or choose whoever, John Kasich, whoever, before they choose Trump. So I think Trump is going to have, like, I think Trump's going to get third or fourth in Iowa. That's my prediction. But then he might win New Hampshire, and then he's going to go to South Carolina, and he's going to win that. So, you know, I wouldn't count, just because he may or may not perform well in an Iowa caucus. But when's the last time Iowa, the winner of Iowa only specifically, won the entire thing? I think there's some stats out there about how the winner of Iowa has won a lot. Is that not true? Well... Sure. But well, I, think New Hampshire, I think New Hampshire, in my opinion, from what I've been read and have learned over the years, is a much better predictor of the nation's sentiment. I think I don't disagree with that, but I think that if you win Iowa, you can change. If you lose Iowa, you can lose 15% of the poll in New Hampshire overnight. People like to vote for a winner. Yeah. Like, with Howard Dean, but I mean... Did, we, well, who's the winner going to be? Ted Cruz? I have no... I don't winner? know. You tell me. I, who's... 
Who is like a stable personality? Marco Rubio? Well, slick. I like. I, I mean, honestly, most people's liking. Without getting into any of the issues, like completely, like let's say issues had nothing to do with it. Who and I, you know, am trying to choose someone. Let's say I'm like I'm, I just turned eighteen and I'm a Republican, and I have a good head on my shoulders. Who is a practical? reasonable person i'm not saying none of them are i just don't know or any of them like they all seem to be a little bit like wacky or weird or like like, i mean jeb bush when jeb bush's ads come on like local news for the new hampshire voters in massachusetts it is a laugh a minute yeah well i mean look it comes down to and i know that we joke around about my right-wing tendencies at the end of the day i've kind of an independent, free-thinking human being. And I'm just, you know, I think that most people in this country are just sick and tired of politicians in general. And everything that's involved, whether it be the money or the lobbyists or the saying one thing but doing the other, like talking about all the broad, big, sweeping changes that they're going to make. I mean, enough. You know, it's just, and I think a lot of the country feels that way. So you, that's why you see a lot of these kind of like semi-outside candidates doing well, whether it be a Bernie Sanders, even though he's been kind of a part of it for a long time, or Cruz, he's kind of new, you know, or, uh, you know, Dr. Carson did well for a while, or Donald Trump, you know. It's because people are kind of just getting sick and tired of, the same old, same old. I mean, Hillary Clinton is the same old, same old. You know, it's the scandals, it's the lying, it's the deceiving, it's the having a a Clinton Foundation that's taking money from countries that know. And if you do, if you pay this amount, you're going to get this from the State Department. Like all these things are really serious that are going on in the country now, and I think people are maybe starting to realize. And so when you look at the Republican side, you see a lot of these candidates doing well. Whether or not they're stable, I don't know. But, I mean, I think that's what people are starting to think about. And maybe I'm wrong. I mean, maybe they just see the uh, tidbits on Twitter or the nightly news, and it's hand-selected and kind of shapes the sentiment of the country. But, you know, we'll see how this election plays out. What about a contest where, like, you know, however many candidates there are right now, probably 10 or 12 on both sides, they rent rooms on the same floor at the Watergate. They set some, like, beautiful white sheets out on the beds. They all have to go in and sleep in the bed by themselves. They come out and leave in the morning, and whoever leaves, like, whoever leaves the least amount of oil on the sheets is the winner. So, like, the greasiest people are out immediately, just, like, whether it's their hair or their skin or their point of view. I mean, can you imagine some of the, like, whether it's Hillary's makeup or, like, Ted Cruz's hair gel or I don't even know, like, like Jeb Bush's, like, weird 65-year-old Florida man body oil. I mean, just... I don't know. That might not be a good theory, but uh, I think I find it funny. I find I just the, the grease factor. That's the point. The grease factor is pretty high. 
it's very high. I think people, and I just think, you know, I'm one of them. I just, you know, you watch what's going on around the world, but you see what's going on in this country, and it just doesn't make you feel good. So. All right. Well, let's kind of take... like kind of like the Patriots right now. All right. So, so you, so okay for to, for an update for those people who are listening either after the fact or you know don't listen to sports radio like Baker and I do. By the way, Baker, sports radio is like so bad right now. Can we agree on that? Yeah, it's terrible. I mean, you know, you go from either the Sports Hub or WEI. I'm like, okay, I can listen to these guys. I have a hard time getting through like a 10 minute segment. They are just. They're so sophomoric. I never thought I would use that word in a sentence and truly mean it. But it's it's like, aren't you guys better than this? Why are they so petty all the time? All the like, like are are is are the listeners? Do they think the listeners are that dumb that that's who they're catering to? Because I feel like the average Joe in the Boston area is actually relatively well-spoken compared to the average Joe in a lot of other places. Like they got a good public high school education and they grew around, grew up around smart people or they went to college themselves or whatever it is. I mean, and a lot of the average Joes are, are white collar people and the blue collar people are just as smart in many cases. So it's weird how shitty it is. What's your view on that? Well, I mean, have you, have you listened to the people that call in? <laughs> yeah. So, don't tell me they got a great education. Well, no. I know, but is it? Do they think that other people aren't listening? That that's their core audience? I don't know. I just I, I would think it would be interesting if me and you got like a six months a six month you know graduate internship at a sports radio and we got to look at all the metrics that they're basing their programming off of. And I would argue that there's a that they're they're misinformed about exactly what it is their listeners want, what it is that they should be advertising for, the the type of the style of their content and delivery and all that. I think they're sort of doesn't feel like anybody's that dumb, but maybe they are. I think you are overestimating the public. All right, That's well, positive uh, Alex coming to play. Yeah, there you go. So, speaking of, I mean, now that we've gotten past that little stint that went nowhere, um, <laughs> what what exactly is your read on the so so Chandler Jones? The is he still the NFL sack leader as of right now? Um, he if not the leader, he's right up there. So this is a defensive end for the Patriots, drafted probably three years ago. Where did he play in college? Did he play at Syracuse or something like Syracuse that? Syracuse University yeah. in Rochester, New York. Yeah, he played at Syracuse. He's the brother of John's Bones Jones, who's a UFC fighter that I know nothing about other than the fact that he got busted for cocaine in Las Vegas. But he was like a you know badass motherfucker who beat the shit out of people on TV. And... He's the best. He was the best MMA fighter in the world. Right. So Chandler Jones, from all I can tell from the various media outlets, is a, seems like a regu- relatively stand-up guy. Is well spoken. He's never had any disciplinary problems that we know of, and he seems like a I don't know. He seems like a good person. What, what's your read on him in general? My read in general is that he's a very happy-go-lucky guy. Um, likes to have a good time. He apparently hangs out with Gronk a lot. Um, I, I, this is the this is the first time I've really heard of anything 
real negative about him. So tell the story. What happened? Like, tell, you know, where are we at with him? So there's been some incidents this week. Yeah, so a couple couple days ago, was it yesterday or last night, really, it basically came out that on Sunday morning, very early, about 7.45 a.m., Chandler Jones showed up at a police station in Foxborough, Massachusetts, and which is only a couple blocks from his house. And the report was that he was partying at Gronk's house and that he had overdosed on either cocaine or pills. And then he showed up at the, the police department and needed some medical attention and that he was, you know, kind of out of it or whatever. And then he went to the hospital at Norwood Hospital. So that was the original report. And it, then, of course, as it always does, and now it's like nowadays, Nowadays, you know, social media and everything caught fire. And then everybody's reporting it like it's fact. You know, he's at Gronk's house, even though Gronkowski was in Florida the entire time. And maybe he was at Gronk's, but Gronk wasn't there. Um, he overdosed on pills or he was doing this or he was doing that, which turned out not to be true either. And, you know, so, you know, as I started piecing things together, I got my, I got a hold of the, uh, those video, those audio tapes from the police department that were online. And they're talking about, uh, yeah, he was definitely involved with a class D substance, which in Massachusetts law is like marijuana or some other, you know, drug like Ambien or something like that. So I'm thinking, okay, so he's got his shirt off. He sh so he shows up at the police department with his shirt off, no shoes. Um, he's kind of like, like totally tweaking out and they're saying he's involved with a class B substance. And I'm thinking to myself, like, you know, you hear a lot of these rumors online about like, or through friends or whatever about that synthetic marijuana, um, which is, you know, it looks like weed, but it's basically like a plant sprayed with chemicals from China or wherever. And people smoke this stuff and they like totally tweak, tweak out. But it's not real wheat. So apparently the latest is that that's what he was, he kind of was smoking some of this stuff and he like totally lost it and he showed up at the Foxborough Police Department and was like, I'm freaking out. And they like assisted him medically. So that's the latest. Um, but in between Sunday morning and now, he's practiced each day, um, you know, whether or not he'll play full in the game, I mean, I guarantee Belichick's going to sit him for just causing this whole debacle. Um, but people are going crazy about it. It's unbelievable. So before we get into all of our analysis, and there will be some, I mean, there'll be a lot, um, do you think that, like, do you think there'll be any, like, are there going to, can they suspend him on the league end or, you know, I guess, How? I don't know. It's just interesting. I mean, it's, it, it is also interesting when you think about the idea of getting arrested and even whether you're a high school kid who gets arrested or, you know, anybody, a college kid who gets arrested or just anybody who gets arrested, you end up getting out of jail and then whatever is going to happen to you doesn't happen to you for a little bit of a while, a, a little while. So, Excuse me. He wasn't. He wasn't arrested. I know he wasn't arrested, but he. But now there's going to be an investigation because the cops lied about the cops lied about him. But here's what I don't get. Okay, so 
say you show up at the police station and you're like, look, I'm not feeling well. I did, you know, I may have done something that, you know, made me feel this way. Oh, even though you can buy this. So say it was synthetic weed. Let's say that's, that's what happened. Okay. You can buy it at a corner store. And I mean, what he is doing, smoking chemicals made in China. I mean, nothing from China is good for you far as I'm concerned. Why you would even do that to begin with is beyond me, especially on a bye week before a playoff game. Like, don't be an idiot. And you're in, like, basically a contract year. So, I mean, all those issues aside, say you, Alex McKay, showed up at the police station and the next day, and you're an adult, you're a young adult, and the next day, somebody calls and says, I want to know if such and such Alex McKay was at the police station yesterday. Do you feel that it's appropriate for all that information to be disclosed over the telephone to somebody that you don't know who they are? Um, I don't feel that it's that I, I feel that it's important that there's a public record of what the police do because that they're pu- because they're public servants. I feel you like... Are, you are there to seek medical attention. You're not committing... I don't know. I mean, I it, I guess, yeah, I think that if someone... I think the, the problem for Chandler Jones is that if he was Joe Blow and he did that, and no one would call and ask. Um, and so it doesn't matter. It only matters because everyone in New England is, like, spanking themselves waiting for this game. Okay, well, I, as a medical professional quote-unquote right i i can't agree with that because you know he's there for a medical reason he didn't commit a crime it's not like he was out in the middle of the street like you know rolling in traffic like a lot of these idiots do on this synthetic crap or trying to like beat somebody up or whatever he showed up like in need of help he's there for a medical reason it's part of it's his personal business so for me it's even though he is who he is, I think the police have every right to say to Stonewall and be like, "It's, you know, they should have, maybe they should have not said like, oh, he was never here. I don't know who he is. Maybe they should have said, yeah, he, he was here, but I'm not going to give you any information about that because it's X, Y, and Z. Well, Chris, if he had gone to the, I mean, I think that no one has the right to, to know what happened to him if he like was admitted to the hospital. But I think the idea behind in general people understanding what's going on at the police station is that the police the police need to have a check and the check of the police are the people and if the people don't have the right to ask what the police are doing the police could fundamentally gain too much power and i mean that's just i know that that seems like an archaic way of looking at things but ultimately it's the same argument for the first or the second amendment which is that like if the people can't have guns and the police can then the police have the power when push comes to shove and the and the people don't have the right to like rise up and stand up for what they believe in especially if the police become corrupt so you know i think ultimately do i give a shit no but i mean let's let's change the subject a little matter even if we disagree about that the idea that weed something that if you look at all of the like peaceful, successful cultures who are many times overrun by hideous 
raging infernos of, you know, settlers, capitalist, you know, conquistador settlers, whatever they were. Or even, like, the stories of, jo- of you know, George Washington having smoked weed because they, like, excavated his grave or whatever and found weed pipes. Weed is exactly that. Like, we, we need to have a discussion about marijuana in this country, and I think we're having it, which is weed is a weed. It's like a weed that grows, like, with water and sun, and when you smoke it, you get high. And... The fact that some NFL player was had to decide to smoke some synthetic bullshit to try to like get high because the NFL hypocrisy forces him to stay away from a plant substance because it's like in their operating agreement that they can't smoke it. Like, isn't that the fucked up thing? And that ended up with him, like, you know, he could have gotten hit by a car. He could have beat the shit out of his wife, like you said. Like, something bad could have happened as a result of him smoking this shit. Like, why are we caring? Like, parents out there, just, like, let your kid smoke weed. Otherwise, he's going to, like, drink 48 beers and die at his frat party. It just seems like this massive hypocrisy of substance abuse going on that is, like, so you know, pointedly and ironically highlighted by someone smoking spice, which you can buy at a convenience store, which is some, like, bullshit chemical, probably produced by Dow or DuPont. So it's like the money's going in in their pocket because some pesticide is being put on, like, oregano or whatever. Like, isn't that the story here? Yeah, I think that's part of the story, but, you know... It's a part of the story. You know know as well as I do that you know, marijuana, the weed is not the marijuana that our parents smoke. It's totally different. These are all altered. The chemistry involved in this stuff nowadays is totally different. So you can't just say, I mean, you can't really just say that marijuana is just, you know, hippy-dippy, smoking, blah, 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 having a good time, relaxing with your friends anymore. So, I mean, it's a slippery slope. You start saying, I mean, I don't, I don't think they need to get in that whole conversation. But. All right, listen, I don't... Uh, look, I don't I don't look down my nose at people that smoke a lot of weed, you know, but, you know, I, you know as well, I've never personally, like, you know, really enjoyed it because of the way it made me feel, but... Well, you... you know. <laughs> I'll, li- I'll leave that one alone, but I think, I mean, look, on the other hand, you're paying this guy millions of dollars a year. If you want to write in this contract, you can't smoke weed. That's okay with me. That's part of the commitment he's making to his job. And if that's what the employer wants, I, I, I'm okay with that. I just think that, like, if if Chandler Jones, who's beating the shit out of his body all year long in order to, like, make these guys millions of dollars, you know, sits at home and, like, drinks a six-pack and smokes a, a joint or a blunt or a bowl, whatever he's into plays video games, goes to bed on his night off, like, is that hurting anybody? And I answer would be no. And and so, you know, instead he's like trying to get around it by well, who knows? Maybe we don't even you know what? I don't even know if this is a conversation. It, because again, there's just like so many issues and everyone's having this conversation on sports radio and, and I think that it, there are some interesting elements which are that he will play this week because nothing has really truly shaken out. I don't think that the Patriots are responsible, but the Foxborough police chief did sweep this under the rug because he thought he could somehow, and whatever, this is like natural human relationship stuff. 
if you are the he's the head of security at Foxborough and he's the Foxborough yep. police chief. He's been on the payroll in Foxborough for dozens of years. And I bet he's had a great time doing it. And of course he's going to protect the guy. If you it's yeah. like the same thing with like the high school sports athlete or somebody who's on the debate team or whatever like Chandler Jones if all had gone to plan would have gone home, slept it off, woken up and no one had ever found out about it. And some nosy journalists found out about it, and but I don't blame the journalists for poking around. Like they're looking for a story. I just I don't know. No, isn't har- that like isn't, isn't that like the classic argument though that the, like your parents make? You know, hey son, if you're gonna drink tonight, don't drive. Give me a call. You're not gonna get in trouble. It's kind of like the same thing going on down in Foxborough. The police chief says, "Hey Chandler." You know, don't do anything stupid. If you need my help, I'm here for you. If you're going to try spice for the second time and you completely (laughs) flip out, walk into the police station without your shirt or shoes on and we'll take care of you. (laughs) It's like, I mean, on the other hand, what the fuck was this guy doing? Why, you know, whatever. I I, I, I don't don't know what he was doing. Like I said, you know, synthetic anything is generally bad for you. I think it all connects back to sort of the Tom Brady point that I've had for the whole length of the podcast, which is I don't need Chandler Jones to like be some winning moral leader of my community. I just need him to like get a sack on Sunday, you know, it's just, it's, it's like, I, he seemed like a good guy. He hasn't done any ill things to the community thus far. And I don't think he's like a, you know, clear and present danger. So but do we think he's going to play well now? I mean, it's going to be in his head. Um, I think he's going to play well. I do. I think he's going to play. I don't think he's going to play for like the first series or first quarter or something. I think he'll see something like that go on, kind of like Wes Welker years back. But um, I'd be surprised if he starts. Maybe he does start. I don't know. Maybe Belichick just starts him as a big fuck you. Yeah. All right, so we're going. For the listeners out there, remember, the first podcast didn't happen for as far as they're concerned. So Chris and I are going to the game. He's got tickets. He's taking me. I couldn't be more excited. We're tailgating with the pros. We're going to yeah. meet them on the highway prior to the game. We're going to uh, caravan in. We're expecting to pay 40 per parking. I'm in charge of the menu. And I think I'm just going to go, you know, simple, elegant, make sure there's enough food for us and a few more people, but not blow my O-ring shopping. But the most most, uh, disappointing news to date is the weather. If it was just 10 degrees colder, we would have a nice snowstorm, which would be awesome. That would be incredible. But who knows? I mean, it's still a few days. It's true. Still a few days. It could dip. But if it's a 40-degree day with rain all day while we're tailgating and then and then uh, drop down 10 degrees into snow, that might be uncomfortable. But look, got to fuck up here, as they say. Well, I think what we should do is I'm going to wear a base layer of, of uh, long underwear, bring an extra pair of socks, two hats, maybe possibly two jackets. So if one gets soaked, you put the other one on. And then just have a couple layers and, and you know, have a little bit of a liquid courage. And I think we should be in good shape. I think so. 
Now, what is your prognosis for like the atmosphere? I want to know. Why don't you just tell the listeners how many games you went to this year? What the mood in the crowd was? I mean, I know you might have gone to a stinker or two, and like what you feel like based on everything from the Super Bowl until now. This is the first playoff game since the Super Bowl. Obviously, New England fans are a little bit spoiled, and they've been called out for being a little bit soft in terms of crowd noise and all that. Like, what what are you predicting for the the atmosphere in the stadium? Well, I'll say this: I mean, I'd, like most people that listen a lot, now I live in Rochester, New York, so it's hard for me to get to a lot of the games. I share the tickets with my brother, so you know, I don't always have access to them. But so Mike and I went to the opener, and then just the way the schedule worked out and not being able to be home, I haven't been able to go to another game since. The opener was incredible. One of the best shows I've seen. Um, just the whole display, the banner, and the crowd was really fired up. It'll be interesting, though, to see how... I mean, it's going to be wild, don't get me wrong. The pregame, the, is, the tailgating is going to be excellent, and then you'll go in, you'll start to feel the build of the stadium, and the excitement, and then, you know, you get in your seat, and they'll have the music going, and they'll, you know, the whole pregame stuff, and you'll see people warming up, and everyone in the section, you know, I know most of them, so, you know, they'll start to file in, and you'll kind of feel even more energized as you kind of slap hands with people, and you get excited. Um, And then the game will get going, and, and it really will come down to, have this team plays uh, because if it's a team in the first 10 weeks, I think you'll, it'll be one of the best experiences you'll have in a long time. And if it's one of the teams of the last six weeks, I think it could not be so great. So. I feel like there'll be a moment in this game where we're down. And I think that that's going to be an interesting proposition. Like, I don't see it as being 14 nothing, and then 14-3 and then 17-3 and then 17-10. Like, I, I feel like maybe, you know, we open and get a field goal and then they score a touchdown, something. So there is going to be a moment where I feel like the game will hang in a balance. And it's going to be interesting to see how the Patriots respond to that. I think that'll be one of the, the major factors. Yeah, and I mean, they were down fourteen nothing last year in this same game against the Ravens. So, you know, we know how they figured out how to dig themselves out of the last year's hole. Hopefully, they have a couple more tricks up their sleeve if, in fact, they ever get down. But like I said in the last podcast, that we know is gone. Uh, the Kansas City defense we know is really good. And kind of worries me, you know, how's the offense going to perform? How's the offensive line going to perform? I think that's their biggest worry, as, a, as I've been saying, basically all year. Um, but having Edelman back, you know, it really is going to come down to how good he can cut, stick his foot in the ground, and make those quick horizontal moves. Um, because I don't think that there's, you know, many people that can cover him, and that opens up everything for, for Brady. It opens up Amendola. It opens up Gronkowski. It allows that offense to really click. And if you look at the statistics, like the biggest drop-off, like, you know, they looked at you know, Deion Lewis went down, you saw a little dip. You know, when you uh, when you lost that omen, though, 
it was a major, it was a significant loss to the offense. And um, so you don't pick up those third downs as regularly, and they just don't get as many points. I think it was an average of 10 or 11 points per game that they lost after Illinois went down. So really, it's going to hinge on how well that guy can play. And if the Patriots can score enough points just to get a lead, I really don't feel that Kansas City, especially with Jeremy Macklin out, if he is in fact going to, he's going to be limited regardless. I really don't feel like Kansas City's offense is, is that big of a threat to our defense. I think that that's the Baker breakdown right there. Uh, I think I, I agree with a lot of what you're saying. You're making me think also that how great would it be if the offensive line like saw some early success, the Patriots offensive line, like it doesn't have to be perfect, but if they could establish themselves as, you know, decent in the first quarter, that could be like some major confidence to build on. And maybe we'll be pleasantly surprised with their ability to contain the uh, Kansas City defense. I mean, ultimately, I think the storyline is that Kansas City is a scary team. They're a hot team. They're a team that's better than they've ever been since Andy Reid started coaching there. But let's be honest, it's like Patriots football at home, and it's Tom Brady, and it's Bill Belichick, and it's Gronk, and it's Edelman, and it's Hightower, and it's Chandler Jones, unless he's high on spice, and it's, you know, Malcolm Butler, the guy who won the Super Bowl for them last year, and it's Ninkovich, and it's, you know, even guys like Brandon Bolden or Kelly Slater or, you know, I don't know, guys who've just been around the team for long enough. So a lot of experience, there's a lot of excitement, and the game, the divisional playoff game last year was the best game of, like, the last three years. So let's hope we see a game like that. I mean, the game, the, as long as we can deflate the balls, as long as McNally and Jerskremski are back, I think we're going to be in great shape. Well, it'll be a perfect game for them to test that theory out, you know, because it's similar conditions. Going to if it's in fact it's rainy and forty degrees, if they set the ball at twelve point five psi, and then test them at halftime, we'll get our answer. But of course, the NFL probably would never allow us to see the numbers unless they're in favor of the NFL. What if instead of like fireworks at the beginning when they're coming out of the tunnel, like they like put a deflated ball up on like a uh, skeet shooter thing and they they were like pull and Belichick just like mowed it down with a AK-47 <laughs> oh man all right well so, so uh, the Broncos the Broncos just so we know what we're up against they were t- the 27 to 20 winners the first game of the year against the Texans and then they lost five in a row you mean the Chiefs are we talking Chiefs yeah the Chiefs okay and since week seven, they have won 11 games in a row. Okay, well, they na- the, Name the they teams. They played the Steelers. They beat the Steelers. They beat the Lions. They beat the Broncos without Peyton Manning. Nope, it was Peyton Manning's like, worst game of his entire career. They've beaten the Chargers, the Bills, the Raiders, the Chargers, the Ravens, the pleated Ravens, the Browns, and the Raiders again. Two playoff teams. And the Texans. Steelers. And, and the Broncos. Broncos, yeah. Who else was a playoff team? 
Just Steelers and Broncos, two playoff teams. Steelers, Broncos, and Houston Texans the first game of the year. Right. But I mean they will I mean I'm not in I'm the not win overly, streak. I'm not overly Andy Reid also, Bill Simmons is the king of talking about how Andy Reid is like a complete shithead when it comes to big game decisions. Yeah. He makes a lot of time management mistakes. So, it's going to be awesome, dude. I mean, it has there hasn't been a good game to watch since, I don't know, I guess, like, since the Jets game. I know. Um, and we're going to have, you know, a relatively healthy group. Although I'm a little concerned about Gronkowski's knee. Maybe he was limited today with a knee injury after missing practice yesterday. So, Just shoot him all up with cortisone, have him all smoke some spice, and like make it happen. Maybe that should be the game plan. <laughs> all right, well, I think we're, that's it. We're going we're gonna to call it. That's all we need, baby. You're the Baker breakdown. That's, that's going to be your segment as we move forward. We're going to have a little soundtrack and like a little uh, a voiceover. That's going to be the Baker breakdown. You're going to do the X's and O's. You're going to be like the Jaws of the Landline podcast. Uh, well, that's good. I hope I can provide enough content. Now, how, content. you got Thursday and Friday to get through, and then you're getting on a plane, or are you driving to Boston? I'm getting on a plane. I can't do that drive anymore unless I have to. And what kind of fares are you paying for that ticket? It's got to be under 200 bucks. Flight? Yeah. Uh, it's a round trip 300. All right. I got to go through New York on the way out, oh, which is not Jesus. not uncommon. And then on Sunday night, I got a direct flight home. Through JFK or LaGuardia? Uh, JFK. But I'm just glad, you know, this is a Saturday game. We're going to have a, you know, it's Friday night. I'll get in around 1030. I'll go to dinner with Margo at uh, the, at the Abbey, which is where we like to go out in Washington Square because it's open late. It has good muscles and a couple of good beers and uh, a couple appetizers. And then we'll call it an e- early evening, get nice rested. Saturday morning, we'll wake up. You'll come pick me up. We'll hit the road. We'll meet up with the boys from New Hampshire. We'll rally in there together. We'll get all the tailgate all set up. We'll have the fire pit going or whatever, and it'll be on from there. It's gonna be a great. Uh, it's gonna be a great Saturday. Too bad we can't like get. If we really wanted to impress the boys, we would bring like a DVD of like the. Should we bring like a Pat's DVD from the first Super Bowl or something? Like, there's not gonna be any games on to watch. What sort of you know, we could bring like Sampras Agassi U.S. Open 1999. Like, what what kind of what kind of video setup are these people going to want to watch? Or are we just going to chat with each other? Yeah, I don't know. We might just hang out. Just maybe you know, th- toss the pigskin. Yeah, see what the weather does. All right. I mean, you know, I don't know what they'll they 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 usually are well prepared. So. Um, you gotta go with the uh, I flow. Wouldn't, I wouldn't worry about a TV set up in the rain on a Saturday. Yeah, all right. I won't. I won't. Listen, I learned today in my self-assessment in business school. We got all our self-assessments back that I'm dominant and influential, but I'm not steady, and I'm not cooperative or something else. What's the C stand for? So I, I'm gonna have. I'm trying to work more on letting other people let letting other people make decisions. That could not be more accurate. Oh, my God. It was like, 
I couldn't believe it. I couldn't believe how accurate it was. So, let's see. S. S is for conscientiousness. Person places emphasis on quality and accuracy, expertise, and competency. I feel like I got sort of a low score on that, but dominance. Person places emphasis on accomplishing results, the bottom line, confidence. That was, I think I got an 88 on that. And then I got like a 78 on influence. Person places emphasis on influencing or persuading others, openness, or relationships. But then for steadiness, I got a 6%. Person places emphasis on cooperation, sincerity, dependability. So there you go. Got it. Got a. I'm just Mike, gonna. Mike just responded. Shit. Sorry, just got back. Oh my uh, god. Such number a. Number one. Such number a. Sh- two, number two. I want to know um, what's your theory on Bill Belichick's black eye. Or do you want to save that for Mike? Well, I mean, do you want to go for another twenty minutes with Mike right now? Yeah, bring him in. All right, hold on. Landline. Aldo. Hey, buddy, hold on one second. Do we have to delay it? One second. All right, here we are. We're recording, I promise. I just saved. Mike, are you Mike? there? Michael. Yeah. Mike, no, sorry, sorry. I'm good. Uh, full disclosure, I've had a couple of cocktails. I got caught up with a couple of friends. Where so were I you? Uh, it's just, you know, it's summer down here. So everybody's out and about. And uh, oh, so I uh, just got caught up with some friends. All right, well, we don't need you for long. I did a 25-minute monologue, which Baker said was great. And then me and him just talked about synthetic marijuana and donald trump's chances in the iowa iowa caucuses so i mean you just fill in the holes that's that's what you're here for have you ever done synthetic marijuana and or spice uh no i don't know what that is but it's weird i was thinking about it today i was you know there's the three of us and i think of the three of us um baker covers the um, medical aspect, you know, the injury report and the X's and O's and Alex does all the financial stuff and talking shit about the NFL. I think (laughs) if there were an area of expertise, mine would be doing drugs, but (laughs) I can't wrap my head around this whole thing. I have no idea what happened to him. What did you guys think? What was your what was your analysis of the situation? Well, I mean, just to not go over it all again, but I just think it's fascinating that somehow they've made weed, which is like an organic plant that just grows with sun and water, illegal, so that you're just like smoking some bullshit that's sprayed with chemicals from China. It's like, what the fuck is going on? You know? But yeah, I I don't know. I don't care. Baker thinks that. They shouldn't have been able to get the information out of the police department. I think that that's fine. I just, you know, it's like a, I basically I distilled it down to the fact that much like Tom Brady's eating habits slash model wife slash everything, I don't really need Chandler Jones to be my buddy. I just need him to play on Sunday. So if he's playing on Sunday and if he isn't affected by the whole ordeal, I don't really care. Yeah, I, I agree, but it's still – so interesting. I want to know what he did. Like I, I, it, I, I, 
you know, as a guy who's been through a lot, I've never been to the point like, all right, I got to go to the cops right now, you know. No yeah, time well, for my shoes or my shirt. Let's let's go right now. I got to go to the cops. It's. I mean, that is the angle to discuss. We have all been pretty fucked up on one thing or the other, and I've been in some dire spots. Although that hasn't happened very much recently. Um, like even though I haven't tailored, I haven't. You know, I've still experimented, but my reaction has never been the same level of paranoia I had when I was younger, which I think is opposite from a lot of people. But I, I've never, yeah, people, people call the cops on themselves. Like what, what, what is that move? I don't so know. what I, what I think happened about this whole thing is that he, like, we've always generally had friends around, you know, you, you get fucked up and then you, you kind of have your buddies around and kind of take care of it. And something happened, you kind of felt like at least that level of comfort, like, I think if he was home alone, there was this report that he was at Gronk's house and that his car was found halfway between Gronk's house and his house, which apparently isn't very far away, and it's not very far away from the police department. So my think, thinking is that he went to Gronk's house in need of a buddy, Gronkowski, and realized that Gronk wasn't home because he was in Florida and he like totally lost it and went to the cops. That's my theory. Yeah. 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 I don't know. I mean, that it is an interesting theory. I just think I think it's interesting to be a grown man with a shitload of money, and he might not had have had a friend around, but he does have fifty three guys he hangs out with all the time. Like, if I had called Mike, like if I did mushrooms when I was sixteen, like my parents weren't home, and I was like freaking out and like, you know, worried about how like the world was gonna end or how I was gay or whatever it was that I was freaking out about. <laughs> I would, I would, and I called Mike. He would have been like, don't be such a pussy. Get your act together. Like, you're not calling the cops. What the fuck are you talking about? The cops will arrest you. Yeah, put your shirt on. Put some shoes on. And, like, just relax. It'll pass. You know? Drink a six-pack, basically. Exactly. Oh, man. Uh, It's so weird. That's the thing. It's just so weird. So, So, Mike, this is just an interesting angle that we've touched on before, but, like, so you know, like the up-to-date word on Chandler Jones' police activity in Foxborough, yet you're on the southern tip of Patagonia, and it took your aging, not old, but aging parents three days to get down there to visit you, which we discussed in the Lost podcast. How are you, like, can you just describe to our listeners the, like, dissemination of information to your ears over the course of today? Like, when do you check in? How do you check in? Like, when do you check back? Um, well, I mean, I'm online basically every day from, you know, six o'clock my time, which is four o'clock your time until 1230. Um, and what I do during that time is I'm on, you know, between my classes, I have four minutes and I go to, um, Bleacher Report and I read all the tweets from all the guys and, um, the, the, the really cool thing I do is that I get done with my um, with my classes, and um, I because of where I am, I can't listen, I can't stream WEI or any of those things down here. But I download all of the shows from the morning, and then I go running. So I'm caught up on everything that happened basically in the morning, and I go running and I listen to it, and uh, so it's. 
no different as if I was living in Boston, basically. It's fascinating. It is truly fascinating that that's the case. Like when I moved back from the West Coast to here and I started listening to the shows in real time, I sometimes was annoyed by them in a way that I hadn't been when it was like very quaint and exciting to be able to like connect with the audio from that far away as an escape from the current place I was living versus like Mm -hmm. listening to it as a reflection of the current place that I was living. So I would say that that aspect of technology letting you like open a door and have a window into Boston, but be like 6,000 miles away. It's a pretty nice door to be able to open. It is. And it's, it's just weird because I have all of, you know, this useless knowledge running around in my brain. And it's something, if I was in Boston, I would be talking to everybody about it all day, you know? Um, But as we've said before, like, I don't care if, anyone listens to this podcast the most important thing for me is that i am able to talk patriots with you two for an hour like if we record it if not i mean we lost that that uh podcast from the other night but i still was like whatever that was amazing i loved it you know so mike what we were talking earlier baker and i before you got on about how bad like, not like we need to get into a philosophical discussion about it, but just recently how bad sports radio, Boston sports radio has felt. Do you want to comment at that on, like, especially today, turn it on and they were like playing the 911 call and all this shit. And I was like, you guys are just so fucking lowbrow and you have nothing to say that I couldn't have come up with on my own. Like, this is pretty low quality shit. Not that I didn't listen, but would you want to speak to the quality of, of the output at all? Uh, yeah, I mean, you're right in that aspect, but the bigger problem is that we're so addicted to the sports from Boston that it literally doesn't matter what they're saying, I will listen to it, you know? It's, (laughs) it's, it's, it's so ridiculous, but, um, I, I don't even know, like, you know, today, that's, this is almost like a non-story, but they opened today as if this was the biggest thing in the world. And, um, and what's even crazier is that Boston fans were calling in, telling them that they shouldn't be reporting on this and that's none of their business and whatever, but that's what they do. You know, that's, that's what it is. Um, and that's their job. And what's the bigger problem that they're saying it or that you're listening to it? Right. Um, so, well, whatever. I want... if, if, if shitting podcasting or shitty reporting is going to be a problem, then maybe we shouldn't be doing this. <laughs> <laughs> well, I went in my monologue, which you'll hear another time, but uh, or you won't, um, like everyone else. Um, no, I run. it's just interesting that, like, okay, so I had this idea today, go, going to work. Like, so I'm listening, and the Chandler Jones stuff is on both sports radios, and I've got them all, like, dialed in on the car, you know, all the speed dials. So I, I listen to NPR, and then I'll listen to the – I mean, I listen to the sports first, but I, NPR is on there. But I just had this moment where I was like, oh, my God, there's nothing on the radio. There's nothing to listen to on the radio right now. I there like I like listening to sports in bites, but like to at like to fill because everyone in New England has become so and Boston has become so obsessed with the Patriots. 
it's only Patriots this time of year, which is fine. Like, who cares about the Celtics and Bruins because they're both, like, mediocre teams. But that's the that's the last 15 years of momentum of Patriots, and I think Deflategate put it at a whole new level. Like, the Super... Uh, it's Patriots 24-7. Like, the Patriots. Super Bowl win followed by Deflategate is it's just, like, it, it's Patriots radio, right? So five days, and now in this case we're on we're on day. Today is Wednesday. Tomorrow is Thursday. We're on day nine of of sports weekday sports radio without a game because it's been a bye week. So they're on week nine. So they've got nothing left to talk about. So I'm trying to find that, and they're you know I'm trying to look at or listen to those. There's nothing else to do. I'm turning to NPR, and it's like some bombing in Turkey that will have no effect on my life ever. If I even if I become like the cultural attaché to Turkey, it won't affect me. And I just started thinking like there's an opportunity there to have a whether it's a podcast that's live broadcast or a radio program that isn't necessarily tapping into just either like sarcasm, negativity, or pop culture like why isn't anyone talking about the best beer they drank in the last you know three weeks or the best skiing they did or the best whitewater rafting they did or not even just sports and beer also just like the positive innovation that's going on in the world like so the rise of solar and wind or i don't know i mean are you guys like hearing what i'm saying like everything is either negative sarcastic or like trying to be funny but not and it's kind of a grim outlook in terms of what you can listen to on your way to work. No, I, I agree. I agree totally. But that's the that's the state of things now. People don't want to hear what's good. They want to hear something controversial or whatever. You know, this I can basically take it or leave it with everything with the Patriots, even though like, I wanted to get as much and absorb as much information as possible. But for some reason, I was so hooked on it this morning because there was this controversy and it's really not that big a deal, but it, for some reason it, it hooks me and, and I got to do it. And um, maybe I'm a representative of dumb America who isn't, you know, listening to something positive isn't really moving the needle for me as as opposed to listening to something negative and controversial. But what do you listen to like a 10 minute bit on how you could use your chainsaw better or like whatever some chainsaw project like you're doing a gate with your chainsaw on your land like there's so much information out there that you'd be interested in that has nothing to do with like what Kim Kardashian did. Right. You're 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 completely true. And so, it's just it's just, it's a yeah, it's that's Sad commentary on the state of our nation and whatever. Well, what if, right now. what? What if but, that? Was... But wasn't an interesting day though, Mike. You know, you had this kind of Chandler sketchy, Chandler Chandler Jones stuff, and then you had Gronkowski was out of practice. Then you get Bill Belichick with a big shiner. Yeah, what well, was like? What was, it was that? Weird. It was so weird. But there's another level to that too because I. I know, you know, I know everything I need to know about the Patriots game. I know everything I need to know about the Chiefs. I know everything I need to know about the Patriots and where they are. Um, and I, I've already made my opinion about the game and what they need to do and where they need to go. And I'm just listening to this pure bullshit all day long. 
and it's not changing my opinion about anything. It's not, um, you know, uh, it's not giving me anything that I need. It's just like white noise that I basically need in my life right now, which is kind of weird. Yeah, well, you need it. It's nice. So I was saying this to Anna the other day. I mean, finally, school got started again, but I had a couple, I mean, I had a great break and had a lot of time with family and friends, but there were some moments there where I had a day's stretch of days where I had nothing official to accomplish and I had nobody around to talk to. And the radio becomes this thing that's like, instead of talking, I can listen. And so there's at least other people in the room with me. And like, I kind of hate being alone. So I wonder, Mike, that's an element of like the one thing you're missing out in Chile is probably just like the American conversations going on. So it's a nice way for you to check in with those while you're doing shit during your day. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. And like whenever I'm in the house, I'm, you know, cooking something or doing something. I, I have radio on in the back, whether me, it's me too. sports or something. I, I need it there. If I don't have it, I go crazy. The quality of audio. That's why podcasts are exciting. Anyways, all right. Well, well, can I can I just say this though? It's not that's I think that's what you're getting at is that it doesn't need to be good or bad. It just needs to be there now because we need that in our lives, which is something I bet you know, 15, 20 years ago, people were fine with just being by themselves in their house. Like now we need something constantly stimulating us. Well, I would actually disagree. Well, I don't know about that. I would say that when you, if you look at like the 1920s and 30s and you're living in the middle of nowhere, the radio was like this amazing thing that hadn't existed before, especially before people had TVs, where I think people were listening to the radio all day long. I think there is an element of like needing to feel connected that's that you're talking about that is probably true. But I do think that the staying power of audio is an interesting element of the whole thing. Like we have video, we have text, we have email, we have all that stuff. And a lot of people are connected on that all day. We have Facebook. But like maybe it's just me and you. And I know Baker listens to the radio for sports as well. It's like it's a it's a medium that's had staying power. And it's an interesting medium. Like the idea of being able to accomplish something else while listening. So your brain yeah. is going while you're doing something physical. Like that's a pretty cool thing. Uh, cooking, especially like you can make an amazing, I mean, I've worked in a lot of kitchens and the radio's always on. It's like any commercial kitchen, any restaurant kitchen, the, the, whether it's talk or podcasts or just blaring music, like the radio is the accompaniment. Nobody's doing work in a kitchen without music or, or talk. So it's just interesting. It's like a way to, pass the time and feel like accompaniment. It also is really awkward in a kitchen with a bunch of people that you don't really know that well to not have the radio on. It's like, all right, well, who's going to say what now? So I don't know. Um, all right. Well, enough media, uh, criticism. Let's just get, let's, let's talk five minutes of football and then I got to get the fuck off this podcast. Um, Mike, as we said in the last podcast, as we said before you got on the phone, we're going, we're meeting the guys on I-95 at a rest area and caravanning into the stadium. And oh, what, awesome. If my wife forgives me for the large fight we got in about an hour and a half ago, we'll be taking her to coma with the cab and the double, the double doors so we can pack it full of all the treats. I was thinking long underwear with a couple extra layers in case it goes rain to snow to rain and we need to switch up. 
But like any tips, any excitements, any jealousies, anything you want us to do during our tailgate? Um, no, I'm really jealous that you're going. Um, and just as a guy who gets in a lot of fights with his wife, you'll, you need that Tacoma and you, you know, you got in a fight, but it'll be worth it when you have it there. Um, I don't know. I think, um, if you show up with a make America great again, hat on, you'll score points <laughs> with Baker's friend. And, um, the one, the one friend, not the other. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, no, but you'll, you'll love those guys. Um, it's it's gonna be great. Have you have you decided on food or? No, I think I I've been busy this week. I mean, I think I I you know it's it's a, this is a challenge for me. This is a challenge. I guess we talked about, but no one will ever hear. Which is that we've got a, a main chef who's in charge of the tailgate, and I want to bring some stuff to show my appreciation for being included, to show my respect and talent in the culinary world, but also. You know, I don't want to steal the show. So I, I don't know. Like, I think the oyster angle is a good one. I think if I can get the oysters with the accoutrement, now that I know I got the truck going, I can ice them down in the cooler and just keep pulling them out and, like, even pull people off the, you know, the runway of the tailgate and just, just shove oyster down random fans' throats. Um, yeah. And I think put maybe oysters on a, a bed of, of Budweiser cans. I feel like the red oh. white. Red, white, and blue might be appropriate for this game. Um, God, I'm so jealous. And then, I don't know, I mean, either I was thinking I could bring some sort of dip, a special dip that I could bring in like a disposable uh, aluminum pan that could then be like heated up on the grill. So like like a cheesy crab dip or something like that, or lobster. Yeah, Yeah. yes. Oh, that sounds so phenomenal. I'm so jealous. Oh, my God. I want to go. And then probably there'll be some burgers and dogs, I think. I think I'll be certainly offered a burger or dog. I feel like that's going to be or, – or some sort of sandwich. Well, i got to remember we're going to be there probably 12 o'clock through game time, which is at 4.30. So. Isn't – Mike, isn't this just classic Baker, though? Like, he somehow got the tickets, which he didn't pay for, and yeah. – now I'm happily, I will say happily, but I'm now paying for parking, all the food and all the alcohol, <laughs> and I'm driving him there. So, yeah. so like he's like he certainly has brought val like more value to the table than I have, but he really he's got nothing involved, and you know he's got like the perfect tailgate. I mean, we don't even really know if he's friends with these people. We just know that he tailgates <laughs> with them. Right. He's a connector. He's a Malcolm Gladwell connector. Like he Super connector. Will, 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 yeah, put you in touch with these people, and that's his value. And then you'll get to meet his seat buddies, too, which are pretty cool people, too. Yeah, the seat buddies are the best. Now, should the, the liquor store down the street where I got my Powerball tickets for tonight's drawing, um, they've got nips. They have a wide selection of nips for the various blue-collar alcoholics shopping there. So... Should should we be duct taping like whiskey nips to our ankles or like the thing is is you get all lit up and then you go into the game but I don't like to face the alcohol like I I need to keep I don't need to get more drunk at the game but I'm not gonna stop drinking like I think that's idiotic right. so like what's well, the indoor alcohol plan? Well, I actually I think for well I, I'm not the person to talk about because like I just keep drinking and getting shit faced during the game but. 
I think a good idea, which would be something good to bring to everyone, would be like a Red Bull to pound right before you went into the game, mm. just to kind of get yourself fired up. Um, or some iced and, coffee. Oh, something like that, like an iced Irish coffee or yeah. something, you know? There you keep go. in mind, keep in mind, there will be uh, Irish car bombs oh, uh, going oh, yeah. around yeah. as well. <laughs> yeah. Baker, oh, what's man. your... So Baker, you like try to pretend like you're gonna taper off during the game so you can pay attention. Like, what's your what's your usual alcohol routine once you get in? Uh, I usually have the people that come with me buy me beer the entire game. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, no, I, yeah, I mean the tall boys that kind of just they kind of just keep you going, man. That's that's really your only option. Is you just gotta. 20-ounce Budweiser's or whatever they are? Yeah, and then around halftime, maybe you get one at halftime, and, and then yeah, eventually they stop selling them. But right. at that yeah. point, at, at that point, you want to just kind of cool it because you're like, all right, you know, I got to drive home soon or whatever. Yeah, or just get four of them for the rest of the game. Um, <laughs> yeah. I think an interesting thing you could do, Alex, is also you could just go in a pair of uh, – what number is Jones? 95, 92? Yeah, 95. 95. Get get a pair of 95 sweatpants and go shirtless and shoeless to the game. <laughs> and just keep asking if anyone has any spice. Yeah, ask how to get to the uh, Foxborough Police Department. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god people are gonna everyone's gonna all the shitheads or just including me are gonna love seeing chandler jones and then making jokes about him on this on the field um yeah, funny <laughs> all right well that's good yeah and i like that it's a 430 game so we've got enough time to get to get tuned up but you can't i just like the yawning and the not paying attention that's just it's not okay like well that's just not gonna happen I, I do there you know there's there's money in making some sort of program you know whether it's a wedding or an event like this any sort of program where you know you're gonna have to consume a lot of alcohol over a long time there's a perfect drunk that you want to be and if we could write a manual for how to get there I think we could sell some units because like you know it's either the water or the coffee or the red bull but the or the like start with beer and move to alcohol or the opposite or whatever it is but if there's like a way cuz when you like get in a bad drunk at a big event you're you're in, you hate yourself basically right so right. all right well i think that's it uh, mike any fair that's it we're not going to make you podcast again this week it's been twice we got one show out of it i just saved we got all the we got all the material um any any part any parting shots no uh i just i like i hope you guys have fun um i'm i i'm so excited for this game you know it's so crazy we talk about all this other shit with chandler jones and belichick's eye which is so weird um and whatever but there's a football game that's going to be played uh between the numbers at 4:35 on saturday um so just go and enjoy it and baker thank you for that mike anything else before uh the, we let the listeners go no i just think it's gonna be you know as the week has gone on here kind of waiting for those shitty games last weekend that we talked about in the last podcast but they were kind of depressing but 
as this week has gone on, the crescendo of energy has really started to build and just getting ready for Saturday. It's going to be a great day. Well, I'll end by saying that there is a thin but beautiful blanket of snow on the ground in New England. It is officially playoff season for Patriots fans, and all of this noise and shitty play and injuries and oversaturation of media will be drowned out. I would love to see a Tom Brady touchdown, like a sneak or a bootleg, and then that like awkward, angry, intense crazy spike that he does where he screams at the crowd i think that's the kind of motivation and momentum we need going into the playoffs and like we're playing the fucking kansas city chiefs they have no offense and andy reed is complete boob so anything less but like a two touchdown win is going to be disappointing as far as i'm concerned so let's go pats let's go snow no rain let's go snow and uh baker i'll see you on saturday morning very beautiful All right, Mike, enjoy your summer, enjoy your uh, night, and uh, we'll touch base next week after the game. Yeah, love you guys. Love you too. Enjoy it. All right, adios. Thanks for for coming. Bye-bye.